Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Man, I just love our worship. It is awesome. It is awesome. And good morning to all of you who are joining us online. Man, we would love for you to be here with us. So if you're able to get here some Sunday and join us for worship, we invite you right now. All right? Come and join us and see what God is doing here as we pursue this life in Jesus Christ. Hey, um, if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here this morning. And it is my prayer, I know it's a prayer of all of us in this room, that, that you will experience God in a way you've never experienced before through our worship and through our morning conversation, that your eyes would be opened up to the truth of how much God loves you. And that is the absolute truth. Gang, as we get going on this morning, open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. I mean, Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. But hey, before we get there this morning, man, we got a lot going on today. A lot going on in the next couple months. And I just want to share some of that to you, kind of give you a, a, a broad view, because I'm going to introduce something to you this morning. You know, next week we have on the 1st in August the Back to School Bash, right? Yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. A couple of people are happy about that. That's awesome. Thank you for those few who showed up this morning, right? So it's awesome. It's an opportunity for us as a church church to reach out in our community and love in a tangible way. Then in the fifth and sixth, we have the Global Leadership Summit happening right here. How do we become better leaders in what God has called us to do? And then the 15th, something we've been waiting for a long time, even way before that I was here, the, the, the grand reopening of our kids' ministry, right? That is absolutely God awesome. And so here's another thing I want to throw at you, because that's kind of how I roll. On August 29th, we're going to be throwing out our first ever vertical celebration. All right. Let me give you a little context what this is. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard of those things called those annual business meetings, you know, business meetings, you know, everybody's so excited about showing up for the business meetings. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to punt them away. All right. Did you get my illustration? Did it work? Sometimes I have no idea if you're paying attention to me. But anyways, we're going to punt that away. And what we're going to do is we're going to come together as his church and we are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be an amazing evening that you don't want to miss. Mark it in your calendars. Invite some people who want to find out what we're all about. Because we're going to celebrate what God has been doing and what he has done. We're going to look back and say, this, you are an amazing, amazing God. Thank you. And then we're going to talk about what is to come. God, what do you want from us? And before I came here, I was praying, and God made it really clear two things. I was asking God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? You're calling me to us as a family to vertical church. What do you want from me? And then he says, then I started saying, okay, what do you want from us as a church? And we're going to have some of those conversations. We're going to look towards the future, what God is going to do. It's going to be, we're going to have food trucks in the, before it even kicks off, right? We're going to have food trucks, games, all that kind of stuff. Doors open at 6 o'clock. We're going to worship our socks off. We're going to praise our awesome God. We're going to take communion and celebrate what Jesus has done. And we're going to look towards the future. So, all right. So, that, all right, do I get the point? All right. August 29th. And uh, that's, we just love what God is doing here. We want to celebrate that. And by the way, this morning when you walked in... You saw these cards on your seat. If you didn't see them, they're probably stuck right about here, okay? They're right about there. These are invite cards, friends. Now, what I want you to do is grab them really quick and put them in your hands. Everybody grab them and put them in your hands. Let me see that you got them. These are invite cards. Guess what we're going to do with these? 
Oh, stink. He just got real. I want you to take these cards this week and hand them out to people that you know that need the love of Jesus in their life and invite them to come and see what he's doing in his church, your church, because that's absolutely amazing. So invite cards. We hand them out. We invite. One of our core values is found people, find people. Right? And we are, if you're found, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're considered found, and we are called to go find people. So take these invite cards and go invite some people and see what God can do in their lives. All right. That's enough of my morning announcements. We'll get into this conversation. Today we jump into part three of Jonah's story. You know, we're in this middle of this series titled White Flag, and together we have been walking through what it looks like to do battle with God, what it looks like to, to run from his best life that he has for us. You know, listen, I know as we read this, and if you step back and look in it, this, this story rocked Jonah's world, Okay. It rocked his world, turned everything just upside down. But I am thankful, I am thankful that God gave you and I a real life example, what it looks like to do battle with God, a real life example, what it looks like to run from his best life. I'm thankful that he stepped in and he preserved it and gave it to us so we can see how to turn it all around. So as we identify over the last several weeks how we're battling God, where we're running from God, we're not listening to God, he has given us practical way to turn it all around, surrender and walk and receive his best life. You know, when we, we left Jonah last week, he was at the end of himself. He was tired of the run, sick of the darkness, so he turned and surrendered everything back to God. And not only did he wave the white flag, he says, I'm going to go do what you've called me to do, Lord. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2, we wrapped up last week, it says, And the Lord commanded a fish and vomited Jonah out into dry land. So God, he, Jonah said, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. God provided a way to actually start living it out. So this morning, as we step back into the story, we're seeing Jonah sitting on the seashore. And then just like many of us in this room, I'm guessing he's like dazed and confused at what God is doing. Like, holy smokes, what is happening in my world? But as you sit in there, and as we, you and I are reading it this morning, something becomes abundantly clear. Jonah served and loved a God of second chances. I mean, that is awesome for you and I. For one simple reason, God does not change. God does not change. He's the same today as he was yesterday. He'll be the same tomorrow that he is today. And if God is a second chance, God has second chances, he's going to provide an opportunity for Jonah to turn around and be obedient and receive the best possible life in following him, then I guarantee, I'm confident in saying that he'll do the same for us. Man, that should greatly encourage us in this room this morning. But, and this is a huge but, by the way, in order to embrace his grace and grab a hold of our second chance, we need to raise the white flag. We need to surrender to him. We need to surrender to his power over our lives, his authority in our lives, and his plan for our lives. Let me just say that again. His power over our lives, his authority in our lives, and his plan for our lives. And when we do this, church, when we surrender to him, it will radically change the direction we are going. There's a good chance we'll feel less pain. 
less chaos, less loneliness, less darkness in their life, and will receive more of God's best. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. I want to experience the fullness of God and what he has for me in life. Yes? Yes. All right, do me a favor. Look at the person next to you and say, I want that. I want that. Okay, look at the person you just ignored and say, I want that. <laughs> we want that. And this is where we slow everything down. And we're going to step into the scripture and have a conversation with God and see what happens next. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Let me just stop right there. In a sense, Jonah was right back where he started. God's message to Jonah didn't change. In fact, the message to Jonah and to us is very, very clear. Though God's word remains the same. God's word remains the same, and we are to believe it. The word of God didn't change. The mission didn't change. Jonah, I have called you to go right here, right now, as your second chance to get it done. Go and preach the word to a city of people that if they don't change, they're going to perish. Now, just in case you missed it, I want to back up and show you a little bit what's taking place. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 kind of says this. This is the word of the Lord came to Jonah to go, but Jonah ran. Now we're in chapter 3. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time to go, but Jonah obeyed. Between these two chapters, there was a clear change. What changed? Was it God? Did did God change? Was it his word? Was it his command? Was it his plan? Absolutely no. Friends, what changed was Jonah. Jonah came to this understanding, right, that when God is serious and he means what he says, his word remains the same. It absolutely never changes. The problem we have, or at least I'm willing to say, that I have is like Jonah, I need to hear it more than once. Like to truly hear and to live out this life that God has come live, but we need to, God's word needs to be washing over my life over and over and over again. I needed to hear a second time, a third time, a fourth time. And just like we have short-term of, uh, memory issues of his faithfulness, man, we have short-term memory issues of his calling to live his word out in our lives. Long ago, there's this guy named Joshua. Joshua is the guy who led God's people, the Israelites, into the promised land. It wasn't Moses, by the way. Did you read the Bible? It's pretty cool. But Joshua was called God, by God to step in for Moses' shoes, right? Moses had some huge shoes to fill. He's stepping in and he's probably freaking out, thinking, oh my word, I got to lead over a million people in the promised land. And my life is going to be nothing but a battle. It's going to continue to be a battle. What I'm going to do. And God speaks to him and is really, really clear what he's supposed to do. Look at verse 7 of chapter 1 of Joshua. It says, be strong and very courageous, my friend. Be careful and obey the law sent to Moses, my law, servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful where you go. Verse 8, but keep this book of the law on your lips. 
Meditate day and night so that you may be careful and to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He's saying, Joseph, Joshua, 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 you're called to go in and I'm, you're going to lead all these people into the promised land. It's going to be absolutely hardship and amazing all at the same time. But let me just tell you what. You need to keep my word washing over your life over and over and over again. Meditate at day and night. That's what we need to do too. We need to keep the word of God washing over our lives over and over and over again. Listening to it a second time. Listening to it a third time. And a fourth and a fifth and 127th. See, but I believe we get too busy living our own lives. We do what we wanna do, be who we wanna be, go where we wanna go. I believe we get wrapped up in what's taking out the world and this culture, buying to what society is selling us. We get so wrapped up in all that we very rarely slow down, let alone stop, and listen to what the creator of the universe is saying to us. The word of the Lord doesn't change. And we need to believe that. So let me just, let me just break this down like blues clues for us, all right? Sometimes we complicate the thunder out of everything when it comes to following God. So let me just be very, very simple, very, very clear. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bible. This is God's word. This is the word of the Lord, Okay. It's his life manual given to us, his creation, how he desires to live. This is a book of God wanting to have a conversation with us, not just on Sunday mornings, but every single day of our lives. And he's preserved and he's kept it for a purpose. It's never changing and it's for you and for me. So before you and I can take one more step forward, before we can say one more amen, we have to come to the conclusion that we believe it. That we believe this is God's word for our lives. Because if we don't believe it, who are we following? If we don't believe it, why are we following? I can think of a million other things I could be doing right now. We need to believe it's unchanging and it's powerful and it's for you and me. It remains the same. It came to Jonah and Jonah obeyed and that reflects back to you and I. The word of the Lord is revealed to us and we need to obey. The word of the Lord is revealed to us and we need to go and do what God has called on and pounding on our hearts to do. We need to make the changes in our lives that he's called us to change. We need to reach those who he's calling us to reach. But we get so caught up in the storms of life that we're facing, we feel like there's no way out. We feel like there's no way out. I, I'm, people have literally said to me, Rich, you don't understand, I am too far gone. You have no idea what I have done or where I have been. Why would God ever want me? Why would he ever love me? He knows what I have done and they've given up on themselves. They feel like they're beyond hope. From what I read and what I believe, 
That is so far from the truth. Stop buying into the lie that Satan is serving you, friends. There is hope and redemption for everyone in this room. Even from the belly of a great fish, God is a God of second chances and he is present. Now, I know that sounds like a little repeat from last week, a little repeat from the week before, but maybe you're just one of those people who need to hear the word of the Lord a second time. Just saying. Just as parents have to remind their children repeatedly about everything, amen? Amen. God uses his word to wash in our lives, to reveal, to have a conversation with us. Regardless if we're listening or not, we need to be listening and leaning and watching what he wants to do in our lives. His mission doesn't change. His word doesn't change. We need to stop listening. The word remains the same. We need to believe it. Because the word of God leads to change. Now live it. It remains the same. We need to believe it. And it leads to change. We are to live it. Look at verse 3 of chapter 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going to a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Let's just stop there again. This has to be one of the shortest sermons ever preached. And the longer I'm with you, the more you're thinking, Rich, you should take some notes on that, right? God clearly brings us back to Jonah's mission. Go and stand in the gap between me and this wicked city. God's patience was running thin with them. If they didn't change, his wrath was going to be unleashed on them. God allowed them to live that way for years, but through Jonah, he was communicating that it would no longer be the case, and this is huge for us. Because we can never mistake the patience of God with the permissiveness of God. Just let us sit in. We can never mistake the patience of God with the permissiveness of God. Just because we have not reaped the consequences of our poor decisions yet and living a life without God and not listening to him doesn't mean that God's patience will continue for with us. God may be patient with you and I right now, but his patience be coming, could be coming to the end. Please, please, and I'm speaking to myself. Don't mistake his patience for permission to continue to go on and living and not listening to his word. Because what you may be doing could very, very simply be not what he desires for you to do. How you were living could be clearly how he called you not to live. And just because God is patient, just because we're not feeling his pain right now in our lives and we feel like we're getting away with it, it doesn't give us permission as his children to continue to live that way. Because if we do, we'll sorely be mistaken. See, God was patient with Jonah for a season, but then he sent a storm and a great fish. God was patient with Nineveh for a season, but he sent Jonah. Unless they repented, 40 days, they experienced the consequences for their choices. See, the word of the Lord changed Jonah. Changed his mindset, his perspective, what he's going to do. And it can change you and I as well. Because that's what it's meant to do. 
That's what God revealed it to us. That's why he kept it treasured and preserved for thousands of years. It doesn't change, but the lives of the people it touches does. It transformed them who they are, how they live, and what they're going to live for for the rest of their lives. But as many of us, we've been grown up in churches and we've been a part of church all our lives for many, many years, man. We, we spend so much time marking up the Bible, but we allow so little access for the Bible to mark up our lives. We underline, we highlight, we, we memorize some verses. But is it changing us? Core value number two I'm sharing today, right? Growing people change. That's what the word of the Lord is meant to do. And I've watched this happen. In the lives of many people that God has brought before me through over the years, I've watched their lives radically change. As they drew near to God, he drew near to them. As they pursued him through their word, their lives radically twisted and turned and went in an opposite direction. And it was absolutely amazing to see. I've watched it in my own life. I watch how God worked within me as I, as I used to, to be a punk teen that grew up into a very deeply angry man who brawled with the world, brawled with, brawled with man, and I simply, truly brawled with God for many years in my life. But the more I press into God and his word is brought into my life, man, I am nowhere near the man I was 21 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus. Yeah. There you go. That's a testimony to a witness to what God's word and God can do in your life. He can do the same for everyone in this room. So are you reading? Are you reading his word? Stinky just stepped on my toes. So many people who say I'm a follower of Jesus never open this book. Are you reading? Are you willing to have a conversation with God every single day through his word? Are you letting it wash over your life? Change who you are from the inside out. So this is what I want to do. I want to give us a practical example of this. Starting tomorrow morning, we're going to do a reading plan as a church. Guess what book is it going to be in? Jonah. <laughs> Guys are smart. Right? It's the book of Jonah. It's a reading plan. Later on today, at, I think at noon, it's going to be posted, right? And it's going to be a reading plan that you and I can read together. It's been an opportunity for us to comment and have a conversation. Listen to what God just talked to me. Pray for this situation. Whatever it may be. But we're going to read the word of God together. And through the book of Jonah. Could you show that if you would, please? You'll see this on our, on our Facebook page. And I'm challenging you, church, to get in and be involved. But here's the thing. Only 150 participants can be in this reading plan as a group. So if you want in, get in soon. 1201, I'm in, I'm in. All right? You get a little heads up. Second service come in. They have no clue. You could be home already. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Man, I love the word of God. 
It's important, huge in our life and our following of Jesus Christ. And so here's an opportunity we can do it again. Please don't step away without being a part of it. It's very, very clear. Listen to the, listen to the words of James, Jesus' brother. By the way, could you imagine being Jesus' brother? Could you imagine growing up with Jesus around, getting in trouble if you're James? Why can't you be more like your brother? Mom, he's God. How can I do that? But James, very clear, chapter 1, verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't just listen to it and hear it's happening. He says, do what it says. Means we are to take the word of God in and we are to live it. And this is where the whole thing changes. The focus of the story starts to change and shift. Jonah obeyed and he went and preached the word. And look what happens. Look at verse, starting at verse 5. It says, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all, to, and all of them. From the greatest to the least, he put on a sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose up from his throne and took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in dust. This is the proclamation that he issued to, the, to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Who knows? God may relent with with compassion and turn his fierce anger so we will not perish. Let's stop there again. The word of the Lord hit their ears and, and the Ninevites and their king and it turned around and it changed them. They repented. Means they turned from their evil ways and they turned towards God. They put on a sackcloth and sat in dust. This whole idea of sackcloth and dust is an idea of mourning for their actions. Mourning a conviction for their sins. And the king stood up. He said, let everyone urgently call on God. Let them, let them give up their evil ways and turn from their violence. Could you imagine, church, if the leaders of our nation went on national television and said, we have wronged our holy God. We have wronged, I, we have wronged our holy God. I am changing my ways and I'm encouraging you, United States of America, to change your ways too. Could you imagine if that took place? Now I want you to think more like God. Could you imagine if everybody started obeying it? (laughs) The city responded and they repented from their ways. The word of the Lord was revealed and lives were changed. Not just Jonah's. Not just the king's. But the entire city. And if we allow it, it will change us too. But here's a little truth bomb for you, all right? Our obedience, my obedience, the do to be and to live, how God has called us to do to be and to live, is far greater impact and purpose than our own life. We're going to hit this home next week as we wrap this series up. God's plan is greater than us. Sometimes we've been looking in the mirror too long and think we're the only one that exists. His plan is greater than us. We need to start seeing life from his perspective, life and purpose from his perspective. 
Because look what happens next, verse 10. When God saw that he did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. He did not bring on to them the destruction that he had threatened. Jonah's obedience did not just change the outcome for his life. It changed the outcome for an entire city, friends. This is when the whole thing comes together. God's word provides mercy. Trust it. It provides mercy, not just for you, not just for me, but for everyone. See, mercy is not getting what we deserve. Let me just say that again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Nineveh was an exceedingly wicked and violent city, and their wickedness did not go unnoticed by God. What they deserved was absolute destruction. But because they repented, he relented, and his mercy was shown out in a mighty way before a whole city. This idea is explained in Jeremiah. I'm just going to think that it just didn't come out of nowhere. As God shares, he's very, very smart like this. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7, he says, If any time I announce a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil then I will relent and not inflict the disaster that I plan. God's a God of second chances. It means absolutely pretty clear for us. But that's not always the case. People don't always turn from the evil ways. People don't listen to the word of the Lord. They do what they want to do. Go back to Genesis chapter 19 at some point and look at two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. It didn't end so well for them. The king said, who knows, man? Maybe if we stop, stop living how we're living, this evil in these wicked ways, maybe, maybe God will, will not destroy us, man. That's him recognizing that he is full of mercy. Could you imagine if God treated us how we treat others? Could you imagine if God forgave us like we forgive others? Some of us, many of us, including myself, would be in a world of hurt and deep weeds. That's why I'm so thankful God is God. So he needs to hear this today. I don't know where you're at I don't know where you're at with your walk with God. I don't know if you, you've been listening to him and obeying him. I don't know if you've been running or doing your own thing. I, I just don't know. God knows, you know. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna lean in? Are you gonna pick up the wood and have a conversation with God? Listen to the word of the Lord in your own life? Right? We need to bring it back in. Are you going to obey? Maybe you've been running and you're like, I don't think God would ever want me. Well, he's right here right now saying I have mercy for you. I'm a God of second chances and there's forgiveness. He's faithful and just. Where are you at? See, we need to allow the word of God to do the work of God in our lives. We need to allow the word of God do the work of God in our lives. And we do. When we stop, we surrender. 
When we obey, when we listen, and we move in the direction that he's called us to go, our lives will be in a radically different place. Because God has the best life in mind for every single one of us. So what will you do? We embrace his grace, grab a hold of that second chance, or will you continue to do battle with him? The next step is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you for your word that it reveals so much, that's such a mirror reflection of how, how we truly stand before you. The areas in our lives that you're telling us to craft and to change become more like your son and less like the world. The areas in our lives where we've been running and rejecting you and living everything for our own self. Man, God, it's so revealing and sometimes we just don't like that. But I pray as your church that we would be brave, strong, and courageous and be willing to face the truth. Lord, I don't know who here this morning needs to understand your word better, who here needs to embrace it more, who just needs to live it out, but you do. I pray for us as a church that we'll be on our knees constantly pursuing you to live that out and to watch you work and doing exceedingly more than we ever could ask or imagine in our lives. Because you are God of second chances. We love you and worship in your son's name. Amen.